<laughs> All right. My name is Chris Raymer. I'm a very grateful recovered alcoholic. Yeah, buddy. Common solution. You know, I wonder if I wonder how many people really know what that is. What's a solution? God dang it. This is gonna be a good weekend. What a great place to do this. I, I this is setting up to be pretty spectacular. And uh, I want to thank anybody that uh, pitched in money to make this happen because I know it's expensive and used to be able to fly anywhere for cheap, and now it's got you got to take a small loan out to just get anybody anywhere. So we're just grateful that you guys ask us, and it's a, it's a pleasure to get a chance to, to, to travel with Myers, and we don't get to see each other real often. So uh, how cool that is! Uh, thanks, Dave, for picking us up. I need to clear it up, guys. It wasn't the curly road that was. It was the speed at which we did the curly <laughs> run. I mean, I, he, he, Myers made it sound like a couple of pussies driving over there. It's like, it, it's, it's true that cars in Texas don't have blinkers. I mean, I understand that, but we just go straight. But we're going to get payback. and They're going to do the International AA Conference next, next year in July in San Antonio. Y'all follow? <laughs> There's going to be people that are going to die in San Antonio in July. It's going to be so hot, it's not even funny. And payback's going to be hell because we're going to be laughing at you guys, I guarantee you. Don't bring any clothes to San Antonio. You won't need them. It's just... And, and no, it's not a dry heat. <laughs> oh my gosh, how cool this is. I want to, uh, give me 10 seconds, because I'm watching the clock just like Myers, because I know it's bedtime, and um, it's going to be fun tomorrow, because we'll slow it down a little bit, we're going to kind of slide through the steps like we would a newcomer at a pretty quick pace, which might be a lot quicker than some of you want to go, but that's, that's what we do. This, we kind of turn this little program into like, like it's this complicated rocket science thing, and it's just not. It was, the, the book was written pretty simply, the steps were outlined pretty simple, and yet we've managed to, in, a, in, a, in a one generation, take a, a very simple message and just confuse the bejesus out of it. And, I, you know, I know Alcoholics Anonymous played a part in that. You know, they stood there with their arms folded while the treatment centers put their own spin on everything. And I, you know, we want to talk about some of that and unsimplify it, I, or simplify it, uncomplicate it. One of the things I want to make clear with you guys is, you know, right off the bat, you know, because I know it's just to, 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 to echo something Myers said, you know, everybody gets really, really, really possessive of their program. I'm working my program, and my program has kept me sober for this many, and my program this, and my program that, you know, but you see, <laughs> why did we just read that page? We have a common solution. My program is your program. It's this, this, the same 12 steps, the same God whatever that is that we pray to is what keeps us sober and, and yet we want to individualize this to, to, to death and treatment centers have been a part of that problem. I, I work for a hospital in, in, uh, up in Texas, an old detox hospital, been there for a million years and a good place to go and I, but, it's, but it's the same stuff. You know, I tried to get sober in the, in the 80s and, and the treatment centers are cranking out people by the gazillions and everybody's, buddy, just talk to somebody but my, my counselor at treatment said this. I mean, the 
my sponsor said this. You know, I, I was talking in, I don't remember where Myers and I were sharing, someplace down in Florida. I introduced myself as a recovered al- alcoholic. And, you know, and, and, I, and this guy came up after the meeting. You know how they do? You know when they kind of walk up a little fast, you know? It's like, kind of... It's, it's a one-eye thing. It's a depth perception. I thought he was crawling up in my lap, you know, but he, he, he kind of he came up pretty fast. And, you know, well, my sponsor's been, been sober 30 years, and he says we'll always be recovering. Wow. Your sponsor's wrong. I said that for comedy relief, but y'all understand what the book is saying. The book is just telling us on the page we just read. This is how we recover. The book tells me, over in working with others, to introduce yourself to the newcomer as a person who has recovered. If you've worked the steps and the obsession to use is gone, you're as recovered as you're going to get. we got some guys sitting in this room, I can tell already. you're a fruitcake. You're, you're, a good, you're a fried pie. But you're sober. You're kicking. <laughs> I don't know. People just, you know, you introduce yourself as a recovered alcoholic. Well, that's not very humble. That's not very humble. I don't know what to tell you, folks. We're supposed to be pulling the newcomer with a vision. Y'all understand? I'm saying you're not going to be perfect. You're, you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes, guys, I'm 21 years sober, and sometimes I'm just a piss-poor example of this program and, and sobriety. You know, I, I, can, I can get goofy at certain times. And, and I'm, I'm, but the book is talking about the obsession to use. What kind of hope are we sharing with a newcomer when we're going to give them? It's one of the reasons that we can't keep the young adults in our meetings. Who in the, who in the hell... <laughs> One. Progress, not perfection. Who, who in the heck wants to be a part of a fellowship where you have to be sick all the time? I mean, and, and I hear this. I got these cats coming into treatment, you know, and I mean, I had my own trouble getting to this fellowship and finally got sober in 1987, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about it, but, but I, I work in this hospital and have for a long time, and these patients come and they spend a big old, I mean, we talk to them on the phones, and they come in and they write this big check. This is not little, this this is not cheap and write it and they come into the hospital and they're down in detox and we're and they're they're you know they're looking at the walls and the art you know cheesy hospital art you know and then right next to this big 12 steps and 12 traditions and they go oh no what did i just do more of this you know, you follow and it's like and you talk to them a little bit and it says listen let me just sum it up people out there hate AA because of the misrepresentations and the watered-downness and the lameness of the little one-liners they think it's a joke and they don't realize it's the most powerful thing on earth they don't realize that the, 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 the opportunity to completely change your life is just a few steps away it takes a little action but we've taken the message and we've diluted it to such a point. Y'all sit here and shake your head. and you can. There's a guy here in, in, uh, in California that every time he shares from the podium, he, he takes our inventory. You know, there's people that say that AA's in trouble. You can bury your head in the sand all you want. If you think everything is great in AA land, sit there and watch the door for a week and watch how many people come in and turn around and go right straight back out. They had the courage to come in and pick up a chip, but they didn't stay. Why? because they got confused. 
They didn't hear the power. You may be in a meeting where that is not the truth. Rock on. Let it go in one ear and out the other. Because I'm not here to fight with anybody. My experience is my experience, and that's what I want to share with you tonight. And then tomorrow, we got such a great opportunity to sit up here and ask questions back and forth. We're not going to stay. We're not going to leave this thing for like an end question and answer, so everybody can get get banged up over this. And we're going to, as we talk, this stuff comes to your mind. We're going to talk about this and actually do this like a workshop, so that we can question and answer. Understand, we're coming straight out of the big book. We're going to try to stick as close to that as we can. And I think if we did that universally in our fellowships, we would have a lot more people staying sober. I think y'all would agree, right? Yeah. Anyway. I grew up in a hill country, Myers and I, we were, we were raised over in Odessa, West Texas, we moved to the hill country, my father, and he, he was a good egg, and um, uh, he was also an alcoholic, and he was a very kind, nice man, but uh, uh, alcoholism uh, was um, rough, we caught the genetic bullet, alcoholism, and we, I mean, guys, this is, 10 years ago, you could have argued it today, I mean, if, if around this weekend, if y'all want to visit about that, there's a lot of literature written about that, but guys, this is genetic. My, my world exacerbates the disease. My drama, the things that I've been through, my issues can, can make my drinking or, and drugging in other fellowships, we're not going to get, but it can complicate the bejesus out of all of that, but it didn't cause it. And Bill Wilson was crystal clear in his big book when he talks about this. He talks about moderate drinkers, hard drinkers, but what about the real alcoholic? You go into a meeting today, I, I've heard people just, my name is Chris Raymer and I'm a real alcoholic. And you'll get at least a half a dozen people come up after, well, what's this real alcoholic? I'm an alcoholic if I say I'm an alcoholic. Listen, let me make real clear about that one. You can call yourself a freaking duck if you want to, and you can be that if you think that's okay. But in order to be an alcoholic, you've got to have certain symptoms, buddies. You, you, you. And a DWI ain't the symptom. And, and that's what the big book tries to explain. Oh, I just, I... Anyway, we gotta, that's, that's what the purpose of this is, so we can help you guys get, get to the bottom of this and figure this out. But we don't want to scald anybody. We don't want to get in any pissing contest with anybody. We don't want to think we're better than anybody. I'm going to say what Myers said a minute ago. There's not anybody in Alcoholics Anonymous that ever tried to hurt me. Y'all understand that? Ten years in therapy, in and out of treatment, doctors, counselors, People in AA, there was not one person with malice in their heart that tried to hurt me. I'm going to screw that little one I'd got to the wall. I mean, I'm going to, no. They were trying to help. But in, 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 the, in the process of doing that, the further away they got from the, the spiritual literature called the big book, the, the, the less likely that the real alcoholic was going to get it. i got to tell you, if we didn't have to worry about the progressiveness of this disease, we wouldn't even be here tonight. Y'all understand? Because if, if going to meetings got you sober, then, then what's the grinder? Just keep going to meetings for heaven's sakes. How cool is that? But the progressive nature of the illness, Myers and I, so we started drinking up there in Kerrville, Texas. He, he started in the winter. So did I, as a matter of fact, leaning up against one of those big old cypress trees and uh, drank, drank a bottle of Boone's Farm apple wine. Oh, my God. I saw it in Canada the other day. I didn't even think they made it still more. I stopped and almost got teary-eyed. Look. It's like some of y'all looking at pictures of your kids. I look, oh, let me hold it. You know, a little... But I drank, I drank this Boone's Farm, guys, and i got to tell you, I had the same exact experience as my twin brother. I, it, it made me okay. I did not get drunk. I didn't go rob a liquor store. I didn't wet my pants, blackout. I didn't, you know, you follow? I got 
well. <laughs> and I, you know, I knew I was off to the races. And for a lot of years, it worked. And that's, God, if alcohol just worked, you know, how cool would that be? You drink long enough, it, it's going to keep working, but there's going to be some price to pay. If you keep drinking, it's going to stop working, and it's a bear. If you're in these rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and you don't really want to stay sober, this can all just be quite amusing. It's a great place to pick up good-looking women. They're just gorgeous, and coffee's good, and the fellowship is second to none. It's just an amusing thing to go through and kill some time until you can figure out something else you want to do. I tell you what, when you get to a spot where you realize that you can't stop because you want to or because you need to, this whole thing gets to be downright terrifying. Because you start running out of options. And that's where I think, that's where our passion comes from. We speak from podiums and talk to you guys. It's not that we want to come and make somebody uncomfortable. It, it, it's farther from the truth as you can get. It's that we owe that scary person, that little, that little person that's going to die or get well. We owe them the solution. And shame on us for candy coating it. Because we don't know how far the disease has progressed. Heard an idiot down in the valley one time. He was about 30, excuse me, he was a nice child of God. And, and, um, <laughs> he shared the podium after me one time, and uh, I, I was a Saturday night speaker, and I got lathered up like I always do. And, and he's the next day, you know, he was there, and I was in the audience. Of course, he did exactly what we don't do. He took, the, took my inventory. I don't know what that little one eyed guy was all excited about. Listen, I got to tell you, I've been 30 years sober, and I've never worked the steps. Wow. Frightening. How cool that he could do that. My book says on page 34, if you can stop on a non-spiritual basis, you're not one of us. Have a nice life. But, you know, to share that from the podium where the newcomers are in, you know, you're taking a big old chance with people. And it's like, if what you're doing is working, rock on. Have a nice life. But if you're sitting in meetings and you're miserable and the disease is progressing and you're not drinking one stupid day at a time, but the spirit Spiritual malady's coming back and it's kicking your butt and the depression's coming in and the boredom's coming back and all this internal discomfort's kicking your butt. You might want to work the steps. What a concept, which you should have done the first week you were in AA. Had somebody let you. I was a professional chef uh, for years and, um, and was pretty good at it and was drinking and not having too much trouble. And... Um, I was in Houston, Texas for a long time and uh, uh, was bebopping along about the late 70s. Things started to come unraveled and uh, 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 I mean, I'm still going to work and I got a little truck and we, you know, got some things on the outside. Everything looked pretty good, but on the inside, we're, 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 we're not well. And Myers' disease is progressing, but of course, he's not as much as me because I'm single and crazy and he's married and got some anchors and so his story is a little different than mine and but we're 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 both kind of heading to the skids i've got a little sister that's a, a year younger than us and she's never had a problem with alcohol ever uh, we've watched her drink um uh, a, a couple of drinks for all our life you know i mean she freaks us out some of you i mean <laughs> we're pretty well convinced she was adopted because she just because you know it's the old deal you know you you want another drink no i'm oh absolutely not i'm starting to feel this one <laughs> Shit, me too. I, I, 
do you want another one or not? I mean, because I don't understand. I'm like, Jim Morrison, I'm going to punch through to the other side. You know what I mean? Like, she can't relate. She says, no, I'm starting to feel it. I don't like the way this is making me feel. I'm going to stop. Everybody thinks that alcohol is the same. You know, it, it, But in our bodies, the way we're wired, it metabolizes different than other people. And the experience that I'm having and the, and the experience my little sister's having is two different things. And that's why she can just stop. We got family members come up to the hospital and they're with their with their young adult kids and some of the older guys, you know, and they say, well, I don't know. Well, listen, I, I didn't. I smoked some pot in high, in high school. And we did some LSD in college, you know, but, you know, I got we got married and got pregnant and we just stopped, you know. I mean, just suck it up. And one day you just realize you can't do that and you just quit. Why can't my son do that? Because <laughs> he's not you. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> I don't know. Because there's a lot of people out there that can. That given good reason, they can just quit. Try it. Big Book tells you to try it. If you can quit and stay quit, you ain't one of us. I don't mean quit and start again. That was my, my MO. I'm a two-week wonder. Y'all understand that? I, I can stop. I'll stop just to piss you off. <laughs> Fine, if that's the way you want to be. I'll never take another drink, because I'm going to torture you with this. You know, whether I'm going to be miserable, you're going to be miserable. <laughs> but if that's the way you want it. <laughs> and two weeks, I'm in there, and that's great. The first week, I'm second-guessing this. I said, but this is pretty good, you know. I feel better. I don't have hangovers. I've washed the car. The house is looking pretty good. The guy at work start talking about promotion again. I should have done this a long time ago. This is not bad. You with us? Everybody's hugging and kissing and swapping spit, and it's like, oh, it's just... About two weeks, uh-uh, about two weeks out, I wake up and I'm driving to work and I'm a little irritable, restless, and discontent. And the boredom's coming back and the anxiety. And I'm just a little, little hypervigilant, don't you know? Why did he, why did he, he call me in his office just, what, what do you think is really going on here? And I all of a sudden, you know, uh, she's cheating on me, I know she is. <laughs> And by that afternoon, I've stopped at a 7-Eleven, and I've walked in to get a Coca-Cola, and I grabbed the Coke, and I stopped, and I said, this is absolutely ridiculous. What I told her was that I wasn't going to get shit-faced anymore. I didn't say anything about it. I just need something to knock the edge off here. And I reach, and I put the, and I get me a beer. And I stop halfway back to the cash register, and I turn around and go back, and I put the beer back, and I grab a quart. Because if it's going to be one, it's going to be a good one and I go back up to the cash register and I haven't even got the alcohol in my body and all of a sudden I am so okay. Y'all understand that? They're crowding in front of me. Guy up there trying to cash a bunch of stupid money orders up there and I'm just like, buddy, it's okay, no problem. I know they call this the quick fill, but that's okay with me. Go cut it. No, go ahead and get those lottery tickets. Take your time to figure out the right one because it's important that you, you with me? I'm not irritable, restless, and discontent. I am fine, fine. I haven't even got it in my system yet. I'm holding it. Take your time. Everything's great. Go out to the car. Crank on the deal. You with me? Little air conditioner. Turn the radio on. Gunk, gunk, gunk. All of a sudden, that song comes on. Oh, I haven't heard that song in 20... That's the... <laughs> that's the best song. I love Carol King. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? I would have shot myself if I'd have heard that an hour ago, but now here I am. 
your families don't understand this. Your employers don't understand this. Society doesn't understand it. Oprah doesn't understand it. Dr. Phil doesn't understand it. Y'all understand this? These folks don't understand this. We're not drinking to party. We're drinking to get well. We're drinking to get right in our skin. When this stuff was working, I was better for it. You couldn't touch me when this stuff was working. The stuff stops working. The craving, uh, it's just, it becomes a nightmare, and then you can't stop. And that's, that's, that's the bear. That's, that's the, the rock in a hard spot right there. I moved from um, uh, Houston. I followed uh, Myers up in, to North Texas. I'd gotten married thinking that was going to fix the deal, and uh, a little disturbance uh, with her one night, and uh, I ended up going to my first AA meeting. And, um, uh, oh, my gosh. And uh, I went into the meeting, and they... Um, they asked me, they qualified me uh, like an idiot. Uh, they, uh, they said, do you have a problem with alcohol? Because that's the requirement for membership in Alcoholics Anonymous. And after all, that's all we're interested in in AA is membership. <laughs> <laughs> it appears that's all we're interested in is membership. Asked me if I had a problem with alcohol, and I said yes. And they said, welcome. Well, a lot of people have problems with alcohol. That doesn't mean they're alcoholic. Well, we're going to find out if you're an alcoholic because we're going to go around and tell a bunch of scary freaking stories until you can identify with one. Oh, this is going to be rocked on. This is going to be good. That's great. I'm still looking to this day, 21 years sober, for a one-eyed cook that ate out of dumpsters. I haven't found him yet. <laughs> this is, I'm going to tell you something, folks. I'm really passionate from the podium. This is why we can't keep the young adults in our meetings because we're too busy trying to scare that bejesus out of them. We're too busy. Women won't stay in our fellowship because every time they come back and they come in, they want to try to get sober. you got a bunch of hairy-legged boys talking about how many times they've had a DWI, how many times they've been arrested, how many times they pissed their pants. I mean, show me in the, Oh, God, it's got to be here someplace. you got to at least have two DWIs and one pants pissing. Let me see. <laughs> no, but that's all we seem to want to talk about. The identification, folks, that we're supposed to be talking about is the identification is the diagnosis of alcoholism. We'll talk about that in first step stuff tomorrow. Physical allergy coupled with the mental obsession and that spiritual malady. And I can talk to a 17-year-old and a 70-year-old, and I can guarantee you they can meet in the middle because they both have those symptoms. That's what ties us together. That's the commonality. It's not the drama, for God's sakes. The drama it was intended to be shared in a 12-step call. He's loaded in a bar someplace, and I go slide up next to him, and he's called. He wants to visit, and so I sit down and talk to him. What am I going to do? Slide up to this guy. Have you found Jesus? You know, you know I'm going to have to be really... I'm going to slide up. I'm going to say, you know what? I, I sat at this very same bar 10 years ago, and, and, and sl I was banging him up just like you, brother. Let me tell you what I did. Is that place in the, in the bathroom, that urinal, is that still in there? Let's, and he's laughing. Yeah, it's still in there. And all of a sudden, we got a bond. You with us? He knows that I know what he's talking about. And sooner or later, in the conversation, he's going to say, how'd you do it? <laughs> and, then I, and then I got it. I, he's opened the door. He's asked me how I'm, I'm going to tell him about the 12 steps and the spiritual experience I had as a result of that. You follow? So I take him to his first AA meeting. I'm not going to talk to him about drinking in that bar again. We're already there. We're in the meeting. He needs to hear the solution. He didn't need to hear another stupid war story. Y'all...
There's two things people complain about AA when I get them in that hospital. The war stories are the worst. I'm so sick and tired of hearing, I want to drink so bad after I leave one of those meetings because all we did was talk about drinking. You follow? The other one is the pissing and moaning. The junior therapy sessions. And people, people can't stand it. Hell, I can go pay for a psychiatrist. I don't need to come in here and listen to your cheap crap. Make sense? That's not why we're here. We just read it in the literature that Myers just read. We're here to share the hope, the solution to these guys. And then we let God take care of their problems. When we start letting people depend on, I have a problem. I was hoping maybe y'all could help me with it. Well, then why, why do you need God then? All we're doing is trying to fix you. You know what happens? And then when it doesn't go the way you think it should go, you leave screaming from the room pissed at us. Because we're doing what we shouldn't have been doing anyway. I don't know if you need to stay in that marriage or not. I'm on my third one now. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I spent seven years in Alcoholics Anonymous in and out up in North Texas, and uh, there was the nicest bunch of people you'd ever go across, and it was in the heart of uh, treatment center industry, and they were cranking out a, a just a, a thousand people a week into the DFW area coming out of these hospitals, and everybody had their own little bent, and they were bringing in their little, their little treatment. Let's leave this as a process group, and we're going to talk about this and talk about that, and AA in the Zodiac, and I mean, I'm sitting there just freaking out. I mean, I, I can't figure out how to not drink today, you know, because we're too busy talking about all, all this other happy you know codependency and all this it's all great stuff for a weekend chat but you know sitting in the meeting I've got an hour we need to talk about some solution but we didn't get to do that and I couldn't stay sober and I'm picking up chips and every time I pick up a chip the applause get less and less you know they're sick of me up in North Texas of course you know what happens when the newcomer relapses well we just flip it back in their lap well you relapse because obviously you didn't want it bad enough I stayed sober did they, did, they, did they relapse because they didn't want it bad enough? Or did they relapse it because they had something called piss-poor sponsorship? Somebody that sat there and babysat them and talked to them about everything else under the sun except the 12 steps. See, that's what we have to look at tomorrow. Should be fun. <laughs> no, because I think in sponsorship we do lots of things, but let's, 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 let's get down with it. That's the last thing we need to do is candy coat this. I spent seven years in and out. Let me tell you what happened to me. When I... Years later, I'm sober, and I, uh, I, I want to ride bicycles. And this guy that I'm riding with, um, uh, I see him come in. He's got his bike shorts on and his shoes, you know, his bike clipless pedals. And he's, he's, he looks like a stud. I said, God, you know, if I had a bike like that, I could look like a stud too. So anyway, he takes me down to the bike shop. Didn't work, did it? But he takes me down to the bike shop, and, and, we, and I bought a bike. And, and this guy's looking. He said, okay, buddy, you're out there with these roadies. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. And there's nobody else in the bike shop. I'm picking it up. He says, I put you some different gears on. And my little ears kind of perked up. I says, what? He says, I put you some, some, some lighter gears on this bike because it's obvious you're not as big as these guys that you're riding with. And I want to give you some gears so that you can keep up with these guys. It'll be easier for you to pedal. And I thought, God, dang, that, that's such a, I didn't even ask you to do that. Thank you for doing that. You'll follow? Well, while these guys are out there pushing these big gears about this big around, getting stronger by the day, I can't even keep up with them because I've got these little wussy gears. You'll follow? I'm keeping up with them for a little bit, but I'm not getting stronger. So I'm getting dropped. To a month out, I can't even ride with these guys anymore, and I don't know why. I think it's me. It's not me. It's my helpful bike guy who put these weird little gears on there. 
and I finally had one of my little bike buddies said, Buddy, you, you, you go back and get these and let's go. And I did, and I got, I got better. I got, I got downright good at one time until I hit that stupid deer. Another story. Anyway. <laughs> But y'all understand what I'm doing? The analogy is the same thing with AA. The newcomer comes in and everybody, you know, gets around. And they're excited that he's here. And, and this guy is just exactly like Meyer said. Dave says, man, it's, listen, let's get on with that work. We're going to little step work thing going on here. And we're going to help you start getting through this work. And the little guy over here, I look over there and he's going like this. And he meets me at the coffee room. Listen, I should have warned you before you got in there like that. You just need to stay away from Dave because he's just a little bit of a zealot around this AA thing. God, buddy, all you need to do right now is do 90 meetings in 90 days. Chill out. Drink some coffee. Come on. We're going to go get some, some hot cakes after the meeting and everything's going to be okay. Except everything wasn't okay. I'm, 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 I'm not getting well. I'm not getting sober. I can stay sober for short periods of time, but I can't stay sober. Y'all follow? It took me to a suicide attempt in 1987 because I'd given up. I'm watching you stay sober one day at a time, just don't drink and go to meetings, but I can't seem to do it. Nowhere in the book does it say if you go to a meeting, you can stay sober. Nowhere. It says if you work the steps, you'll have a spiritual experience that will change your life forever. And yet we can sit in these meetings and allow people to water this message down. Share their stupid opinions. Nope, you can't work with anybody till you've been sober six months. Man, my book says in those first days of convalescence, you better get busy working with newcomers. You'll see how that works. 1987, my uh, wife's gone, third and fourth little business. I got a little catering company, is gone, a little restaurant's down the toilet. And um, I'm working for Myers and uh, I'm living in an apartment that. Uh, my sister-in-law co-signed for me and uh, I'm 35 years old and I bankrupted another checking account and uh, I'm, I got a bunch of water weight right here and I'm a little skinny guy with a little, with a gut and I'm just got a big full beard ugly like kind of like Myers is right now <laughs> it's all, always got food in it you know always, we call it snack you know, <laughs> Got this patch. Y'all see me mess with it. It's a new patch. It's not broken yet. It's a, I, it's, it's, you never know if I'm, it's a patch or an earmuff on any given day. <laughs> getting dressed in a hurry, and you're never going to get. Ah, it's just horrible. And I'm just miserable. And I'm, I'm. Um, uh, therapists have been giving me medication for years. Uh, uh, I'm grateful that I had the medication. Um, sure my drinking on top of the medication didn't help uh, but I've been diagnosed with everything under the sun and we're still doing it in our industry today uh, you know it freaks me out when a patient comes into this hospital and they're all freaked out and they're you know they're coming off about a about a two-year meth run and they're you know, are, are you are you suffering from some anxiety <laughs> they're doing that cocaine crash are you are you depressed <laughs> yeah God, come on Jesus guys it's called detox you know and after that's all, then we're going to be okay. But let me give you a pill, and that'll fix it. The, the number one prescribed medication on the face of the earth right now is what? Antidepressants. Can y'all believe it? Does anybody hear me knocking that? I'm not knocking antidepressants, so wipe the grimace off your face. No, I'm not. I, I'm telling you, there are people out there that need those medications. I'm not knocking it. I'm saying they're way overprescribed, way overprescribed. A pill will not fix alcoholism. There is no such pill out there. There is no happy pill. 
I'm taking seven pills a day and I'm trying to commit suicide. November 13th, 1987. And I took a bottle, two bottles of pills and about the time those pills hit my stomach, I heard a voice that said, don't do this, go back to AA. And uh, y'all have heard me, so y'all have heard CDs of mine. I just, I don't know. I heard the voice two or three times that night, and uh, I'm looking around the apartment. There's two little ferrets in there, and I, they're not t speaking, so <laughs> I'm looking in their cage. I look under the bed, you know, and they're, I'm just, I'm nuts. And uh, guys, I'm impaired. I'm drinking, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not drunk, and, I, and I, I'm hearing this voice, and so I made myself sick, and it freaked me out, and I laid down on the bed. And the next morning I got up, I came to, and I heard the voice one last time. The last time I said, Chris, don't do this. Go back to AA. And I made a commitment. I said, damn it, I'm, go I'm, I'm going to go. And I went to a doctor at noon. I worked for Myers and let me off. And I went to a doctor at noon, and I came back. And that night at 6 o'clock, I, I was in a meeting, running late. And uh, I had a guy that had 12-stepped me. Some of you guys that think that 12-steps don't work, uh, this guy showed me this meeting three years before. And I, of course, Thanks for the heads up. I'm not ever going to go to that meeting because he told me there was little big thumpers there. I didn't really know what that was, but it didn't sound good at all. <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to get a date in that damn meeting, I guarantee you. So I, so I never went. I went to the discussion meetings. And so, um, uh, but I was running late, and I was, it was on the way home, and I was detoxing, and I felt like crap. And I said, but I'd made a promise, and I said, I'm going to go do this. And I pulled in the back door, and just exactly like Myers said, I, I stood at the turning point. And I'm sitting there thinking, Chris, you feel like shit. You need to go home and detox. And, and, and there's another voice that said, Chris, you need to get your butt in there and do what you said you'd do. And I walked in the door of that AA meeting, and there was long shotgun tables, and it's just like Myers and smoking. They were talking, and... Oh my gosh, and I got in about halfway, and I was so self-conscious, and I, I, uh, I felt really lousy, and uh, I heard somebody laugh real loud over here, and I knew they were laughing at me, and uh, so self-conscious. It's always about me, and um, I said, you know, this is a bad deal, and I turned around and walked out. I backed up, like took a step back, and this little girl stuck her finger in my belt loop, and I stepped right on her foot, and she, I said, excuse me. She said, don't worry about that. Sit down, cowboy, and she pulled me down in a chair. Little 19-year-old girl in AA meeting. And, um, and uh, I can't share my story without talking about that. And I'm not knocking young adult meetings because I think there's a, a need for those. But this little girl wasn't in one of those meetings talking about young adult things. She was in mainstream AA doing what she was supposed to do, looking for a drunk that needed some help. And her sponsor couldn't get to me, and she pointed, and she got me. And that's how God needed to work. Make sense? If it had been one of you old hairy leg boys, I'd have just shoved you aside and gone on out the door. 19-year-old girl says, sit down, cowboy, you sit. <laughs> and I did, and they went around the meetings and just exactly what we were talking about earlier. Chairperson took charge of the meeting. He'd seen me up in North Texas for years, and he said, man, we got a, we got a, a, a guy coming back in. And he says, uh, let's, uh, let's go around and share some hope with this cat. Let's tell him what our lives are like as a result of working the steps. I remember it like it was yesterday, folks. I hear people all the time. I don't remember my first meeting. Guys, I was in AA for seven years. This wasn't my first meeting. This was the first meeting I'd gone into where somebody had actually taken the opportunity to share hope with me instead of some stupid war story. How has your life changed as a result of working the steps? The sweetest. And I, and I still remember the stuff they talked about. Credit cards, jobs, relationships, going back to school, artwork. 
there was a guy in there that was laughing. They were everybody laughing at this guy. He said, Chris, I gotta tell you, I got a spare, a jack, inspection sticker, and insurance. Holy shit. <laughs> it could have said, I won the lottery, and it would have made a biggest a bigger impression on me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And they were laughing. They were saying, God, buddies, everything starts to get better in this world called called sobriety. And it's not, it's not just it just not drinking's not gonna get better, but if you come in here and you start to get well, your life is gonna change. Man, they had me on the edge of my seat. They asked me to pick up a chip. I picked up a chip, and at the end, everybody says, keep coming back. And I got my coffee and started to walk out, and this old guy says, man, have you got just a couple of seconds? We've watched you up in North Texas for years. I just need to ask you one question, brother, because we're so glad to have you at this group, but I need to ask you a question. Are you done? Sweet. What do you mean, my Are you done? The big book asks us to ask the newcomer, are you done? And after he explained to me what one day at a time meant, that we live life one day at a time, and that he could show me how to never drink again if I would commit, we kill people with that crap. Welcome back. Keep coming back. They'll do that until they go crazy and then they won't come back. We commit. What does that look like? It means that we're going to work you through the steps and we're going to work you at a fast clip and you're going to have this spiritual experience and you're going to get active in this group and this is going to be your home group and you're going to stop sitting on the sidelines and monitoring these meetings and leaving before we do the Lord's Prayer. You're going to stay and be a home group member. You're going to, you're going to participate. Oh. Yes, yes, I'll do it. Yes, absolutely. And he hugged my neck and he sat down and for the first time he qualified me to find out if I was in the right room. Am I an alcoholic? Am I a drug addict? Am I a, a shitty sign painter? What am I? Where, what, 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 what's this about? I qualified for that meeting, I guarantee you. And uh, the next day they, they knocked on my door and the little guy followed me back up and made sure I made it back to a meeting. They didn't sit there and play cards and wait for me to come back. They went and got me and made sure I made it back. And I was detoxing and was not going back. Y'all understand that? I, I was, I, it was so powerful last night. But I'm going to pick this up next week when I finish this detox. He said, Chris, you can detox in our meeting just as easy as you can detox sitting in home. Come on in. We'll get you some honey. We'll get you some orange juice. Whatever you want, come on in. And I, a handful of aspirin, and I sat back, and we went to a meeting, and then got some in the back room, and we talked about God for a few minutes, and I've never had a problem with God ever in my life. I've never had a problem, and uh, I knew there was a power out there because I had eaten out of dumpsters, and I knew that there was a power saving my life, and they said, you ready to do a third-step prayer and ask God to be your father and help you with this, and I said, yes, and we got on our knees and did a third-step prayer. We got up, went to lunch, came back, and they gave me a notebook, said, let's start working on that old four-step. Seven years in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I never worked a single step. Not one. Didn't even own a big book. Whose fault is that? Mine. Did anybody ever hand me one? No. Seven years in AA, never had a sponsor. Whose fault is that? Mine. Did anybody come up and say, you're dying. You need some help. No. Because this is about attraction, not promotion. <laughs> oh, my God. We need to really study these traditions, folks, because that is not what that tradition means. Good heavens. Two weeks later, I've got a completed four-step. I've got it simple. Didn't take a long, lot of time. They simplified it for me. We came right out of the book. We'll talk about that tomorrow. I'm sitting on the tailgate of my truck. I'm surrounded by liquor stores, and it dawns on me that the obsession's gone. Two weeks in, and the obsession of drinks left. Jesus, I'm an adult that could not not drink. 
What's the difference? Did I finally wear God down? <laughs> God finally answered my prayer. No. <laughs> I finally did what I was supposed to be doing, folks. I finally did what I was supposed to be doing, and that was my part. The book says a price has got to be paid. You want to get connected? God never left me. I left God. And I got to get reconnected by doing certain things, and that's cleaning up a little house cleaning and giving back. And these guys had me doing 12-step work. The first week I was in there, they had me handing out books and washing pots and doing whatever I could do to make that club a better place. And that's part of it. They didn't sit, let me sit on my ass and, and, and stew in my own juices. They, they gave me a job. Oh, my gosh. Bill Wilson said, Observers have overlooked one very unusual condition in Alcoholics Anonymous. Unless each AA member follows to the best of his ability our suggested 12 steps of recovery, he almost certainly signs his own death warrant. Drunkenness and disintegration are not penalties inflicted by people in authority. They are the results of personal disobedience to spiritual principles. We must obey certain principles or we die. Got that? It's in the 12 and 12. It's in AA comes of age. It's in our traditions where explanations. Somebody sent this to me from our favorite publication, The Grapevine. It's an article somebody wrote in 1995. One paragraph, short and sweet. Coming into AA and finding the acceptance and love I'd sought in the bottle was a relief beyond description, but reading the steps was a shock. Fortunately for me, my home group did not hammer the steps into newcomers. Rather, they talked a lot about the slogans and the need not to drink one day at a time. I needed that. Wow. I wish I could stand up here and watch this. Y'all, some, some of you got your little, like little dog, your little heads. Huh? What's wrong with, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing except it contradicts exactly what Bill Wilson wrote. If, if just going to meetings and talking a little one-liner an occasion will keep you sober, how, how cool is that? But what he's trying to say is that those cats in this room that can't not drink, we need something a little more rigid than that. People told me for seven years to go slow. Don't work the steps so fast. You didn't get sick overnight, you're not going to get well overnight. Take your time. Nah, nah, nah. You'll follow? For seven years, I couldn't stay sober. And in 1987, these guys who finally, I mean truly guys, loved me enough to tell me the truth, they didn't walk on eggshells around me. They said, Chris, buddy, you're dying here, brother. We can't fix you. This group can't fix you. Our love can't fix you. God can fix you. And unapologetically, this is about a spiritual experience. You want to have the spiritual experience, work the steps. Well, I'm not sure I know what God is. It didn't say you had to. It said, are you willing to work the steps? Because if you work the steps, trust me, you're going to have an experience that will blow you out of the water. Make sense? That's exactly what took place. That's exactly what took place. The obsession lifted and never returned, not in all the years I've been sober. I've got to make a point real clear. Uh, it took me about a year, nine months to get off some of the, the meds. 
by nine months, I was off all of the medications and have never, thank God for me, had to get back on those medications. I don't want to paint a picture. The obsession lifted in two weeks. But guys, I got to tell you, it took me three years to pay the IRS back. Y'all follow that? It took me a long time to heal physically from the damages that the alcohol and the other stuff that I was doing had done to me. So this didn't happen overnight. This, we just... But the obsession lifted very quickly, and that's what I'm concerned about. I got the rest of my life to get better. What I need to do pretty quick is get well. That's the nature of that. I got to say this and let you guys run so we can go to bed. Uh, there was an old geezer when I got sober. It was about 30 years sober, and uh, he's since passed on, but... Um, He's a nice, nice old guy, and I'm pretty impressed. Uh, I'm uh, about six months sober, and uh, I'm, uh, they've got me answering the phones and cleaning up and doing anything I can do to be of service, and my social calendar is a little, like, empty. You know, I don't have, like, a lot of stuff going on in my life. I work, and I go to meetings, and that's what we do, and, uh, and, I, and my life has never been better at that time. And this old geezer's washing coffee cups back over there in the, in the deal, and everybody else is outside smoking butts and talking crap. And, you know, and I'm just in there helping the guy. I like to be around him. 30 years sober, you know, talk to me, Daddy. Tell me, tell me what this is about. I'm, I'm, in, I'm just... And he turned around that night. He had a towel, and he's wiping it like that, and he wiped his little glasses, and I'll open him up, and he had a little tear coming down his eyes. And I'm thinking, God, what, what's up with this? You know, he's, I says, Buddy, what's, on? What, what's up? And he said, Chris, I just got to tell you, I don't get to say it often enough. Sometimes we just forget. I take things for granted. But I got to tell you, sitting there watching you tonight help pick up coffee cups and pour coffee, and, and you know, now you're sitting here helping me do this, and I heard you share, and you were sharing some hope with that little newcomer. You know, and I know you're just brand new in this thing, but I got to tell you, buddy, we so... We so appreciate you being here. And I just need to tell you, we need you in Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, man. Guys, I can't talk about that and not get emotional. And this old geezer said, we need you in Alcoholics Anonymous. And today, we answer it with, keep coming back. It works if you work it. You know, it's like, that's pretty, pretty, it pales by comparison to we need you. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going I'm to end with it. You, everybody in this room gets a chance we got the same message, but it's going to be shared in a little different way. And, and Sunday morning, we're going to get a chance to talk about working with others. And, but, but some of y'all are not going to be here. I know that. So I want to go ahead and make it my, my pitch now to you. Every one of you guys in this room, we need you. Just, your own experience is going to change somebody's life. I know this sounds hokey to some of you, but, but, if, but if some of you leave this week and go back out, there will be people downstream that are going to die because of that because they won't have you to hear the message. I, I can crack some nuts. I, I, I get some hard heads that I can, I can get under, and I can, I can move them. Some of you guys I've, I've been able to help, and some of you guys, you're, you're as gentle and as tender as can be. And there's people in this room right now that need that gentleness in order to hear the message. They won't hear it from me. I'm too, I'm too abrasive. They'll hear it from you. Everybody in here, I felt so useless all my life. I spent 10 years in therapy standing in front of stupid mirrors doing positive affirmations, lying to myself. Come on, it's the, it's the best we can offer. I'm, I'm sorry. It's the best we can offer. We're, 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 we're not doing a very good job there. It's a lie. You're looking yourself in the mirror and you're, and you're not even believing it. Stick around after a meeting and sit down and talk to somebody. And stop using this excuse, well, I don't have enough sobriety to do that. You sit down. 
If God places it on your heart to share something with a newcomer, share it with a newcomer. Because I guarantee you my experience is that's what that newcomer needed to hear that night. Who, that, the absolute arrogance of us to think that we know who God's going to use in this room. You got sober. You said you're willing to help. Now get in the freaking trench with us. Help us. Guy's going to slide up next to you. You're going to turn around. You're going to explain where the coffee is. You're going to tell him what the big book is. You're going to guide him away from the predators. You're going to do the cool things that you know you're supposed to do. And he's going to ask you, how did you? And you're going to share a little bit of your story. And you're going to give that cat some hope. And then you're going to get in your car and drive home. And I'm going to tell you, I can promise you, you'll feel, you'll feel better than you've ever felt in your entire life. Better than any shot of dope or any shot of whiskey. I can assure you that. And so many people in our fellowships are missing it. I concur exactly with what Meyer said, folks. I'm, these cats that are coming back in in that hospital where I work, used to be we didn't get any old-timers back in that hospital. They were all new people that couldn't get sober. You with us, chronic relapsers. or producer. What we're getting now are cats in that hospital that had 10 years, 15 years, 11 years, 20 years, and they've lost the sobriety. They got tangled up in stupid pills. They got tangled up in a whatever. You'll follow? Now they've relapsed. Every single one of them I've asked, Rachel, every single one of them I ask the same question. Buddy, let me ask you a question. How many people were you sponsoring? None. Well, what the hell did you think was going to happen? What did you think was going to happen? The big book says you can't survive the certain trials and low spots ahead unless you work with another drunk. That's why God spared us. So we could turn around and help somebody else. Spiritual warfare, folks. The dark side doesn't want you to hear that. I'm too young. I'm too poor. I'm, I'm not ready yet. Yes, you are. All you need is the information in this book and your own story, and you've got as much chance to change the world as anybody else in this room. We just need more of you in the trench. Thank you for letting us help. See ya.